So there's like a good hour of this movie that's just Obi-Wan walking into places and asking people questions, and these two idiots rolling around in grass and things like that. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yannis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing together fans and critics alike to share uh, their thoughts on a film that either really they really connect to emotionally or something that they really care about or um, something they grew up with, something like that. But this is actually the second installment in an ongoing look at probably one of the franchises that typifies that connection to filmmaking the most, and that is the Star Wars saga. So this episode, I'd like to welcome Pete Langhelt to the show. Pete, welcome to the show. How are you, how are you doing today? Really good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. So um, I one a couple of different things. One, can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about um, about your podcast, the, the Pete and Fran podcast, and about your connection to the Star Wars saga? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I do a podcast with my wife, Fran. Um, we're both sort of uh, uh, creative types. I'm a comedian and I work in film. Um, she, uh, she, well, she doesn't doesn't work in the creative side of things, but she likes to perform with me. Uh, we mainly do improv, things like that. She likes to get involved with the sketches that we do on the podcast. Uh, mainly on the show, we talk about uh, movies as well. We kind of flit around the genres, uh, but we, we are mainly sci-fi fans, uh, but we like to get involved in the B-movies as well. That's uh, that's funny that you that you do the podcast with your wife because my wife is she's actually been on the Crooked Table podcast many times. Uh, we actually not too long ago did an Avengers Endgame spoilers review. We just went you know we recorded it over a bottle of wine and just talked about the movie yeah. over like two hours. <laughs> so that was it's very off the cuff things like that. Uh, what do you you know what's been your experience recording the podcast with your wife like as uh, named co-hosts? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we've, we've both got a real, pretty much the same kind of sense of humor. Um, as well, I like to, um, I'll throw stuff in that she, she has no idea that we're going to (laughs) do. She reacts better. I think when she's taken by surprise. So, uh, yeah, it's always good fun when she's like, what, what the hell are you doing now? (laughs) (laughs) We did, um, our Avengers Endgame uh, episode as well. Uh, we also included an interview with Richard Nixon. So obviously it was me doing the, uh, the voice of Nixon, which for (laughs) a bit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you've also had some george lucas uh content on your on your podcast can you talk <laughs> yes. about that a little bit yeah i, I um got uh, some clips of uh, most of his sort of most famous interviews um and sort of spliced them into questions i made um i, I kind of i didn't take me long to throw it together i mainly spoke to him about constipation and so <laughs> he, he took He's always saying like, oh, and it was it was a big release, you know, <laughs> things like that. So like, what just cuts in so easily? Yeah, faster and more intense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is a phrase you can apply like literally, literally any yeah, comedic anything, way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I used some of it to talk about his yeah his sexual performance and things as well. <laughs> just felt a bit bad because I I love George really. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's funny how you know talking about the movie we're going to talk about in this episode, how mm. the prequels like created such a divide in the Star Wars fandom that perpetuate it's perpetuated even more so now. I think by the sequels and the Last Jedi and the reaction to oh, the Disney yeah. side of things, it's like <laughs> gosh, it's, it, I think social media has obviously escalated that a lot more. But um, but yeah, so when you know, did you grow up as a huge fan of the Star Wars franchise or like when? did you come to it oh absolutely yeah um, i'd say i mean i was about six years old and uh yeah my mum and dad like watch these keep yourself quiet um <laughs> so uh, they had them taped directly off the tv on vhs so uh every all three of the uh um yeah the original trilogy um i think they probably still got them in the attic but uh, i'd love to watch them again because they're interspersed with sort of old british commercial breaks <laughs> nice uh, yeah, and uh, they must have been recorded oops, early 90s, late 80s. Um, so there's some stuff on there that you can't even buy in the shops anymore. Yeah, yeah the, the original yeah, versions like, of the trilogies yeah, too, not the special like Little time capsules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd love to see what was, uh, what was cut out of them as well <laughs> for the TV versions. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That's always fun. <laughs> That's an experience yeah. that I think, to, you know, today's today's uh viewers aren't really you know i mean they unless they catch something on tbs or on basic cable television there's there are elements of that but uh, i think so, so much now is streaming that you do you don't uh you don't have you don't have that experience of discovering things on television or i mean you mentioned no. having things taped off the off the tv we had an entire cabinet in our in our wall unit at, at our house that was all just movies taped off of uh yeah you know, my, yeah, yeah. In, uh, Indiana Jones, things like that, exactly all taped off the TV. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. With the like the uh, some of them will have the HBO intro in the beginning of it, or what, or commercials mm-hmm. like you're saying. So yeah, that's that's always fun to go back and and uh, revisit some of those. So yeah. um, w- well, I guess we should just transition into the movie we're going to talk about uh, this week. But before we do that, definitely check out the the Pete and Fran podcast. Uh, it's really, really funny stuff. And, uh, you know, Pete does a, a lot of a lot of work to 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 put out quality content for listeners. So definitely check that out. Uh, people listening to this episode. So uh, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Episode two, Attack of the Clones. Let's listen to a little bit of the trailer right now. Anakin, don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, milady. Bounty hunter named Jango Fett to create a clone army. Wait. We must stop them before they're ready. Your clones are very impressive. They'll do their job well. Blast, that's why I hate flying. This is a crisis. The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers. As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic counter the increasing threats of the separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan, and together we will destroy the Sith. That was a little bit of the trailer for Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, uh, directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas and Jonathan Hales. It's actually the only, I think it's the only of the prequels that has a co-writer, which is interesting, considering that I think the writing in this movie is possibly the 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 most well, criticized of the sequels <laughs> with the sound um, so <laughs> well we'll get 
Oh, well, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll definitely get to that. So, uh, this came out in May, 2002 is actually the lowest grossing of the prequel trilogy. That tends to happen though. Like even the original empire is, is considered for the most, for the most part, I think it's kind of a new hope and empire for what's the best star Wars film, but empire is the lowest grossing of the original trilogy. So that's kind of the pattern that these, uh, the star Wars films tend to follow. But um, did you, I'm assuming you saw Attack of the Clones in theaters. What was your initial reaction and, uh, you know, your, your take on it coming out? Well, I mean, again, I was, I was still quite young at the time. Um, just sort of getting to the age where I was kind of too old to go with my dad, but I know he wanted to go, so <laughs> we kind of went together. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love them coming out. It's... Um, you know, when you first see them, they're just as exciting, I think, as, as seeing the original trilogy for the first time, especially if you're quite young when they come out. Um, but I mean, over time, they date quite, quite badly, especially, I'd say, the effects in places. Um, but I mean, I, I still love the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much The Phantom Menace, but I still love Attack of the Clones and definitely Revenge of the Sith as well. I really, really like um they're not perfect, but I think they're still really fun, and I enjoy watching them. Yeah, I have kind of a similar relationship with the prequels. I, th- I think The Phantom Menace, which at this point people will have heard the episode on that, The Phantom Menace is probably one that I've, I've, I've lost more respect for over the last 20 years in celebrating the 20th anniversary this year of that movie. Um, but I had the VHS of uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, that was already on DVD, but... Um, I did watch those, uh, both of them on video quite mm. often, especially Attack of the Clones. Um, and, I, and I think that's mostly because of the, mo- most because of the Obi-Wan side of it. And the fact that I mentioned this in the last episode on Phantom Menace, that the, the episode one feels really like a prologue to the main story. And this is really where it actually feels like it's starting to have much more connective tissue. Uh, yeah, to absolutely. The I'd trilogy. agree with that. And um, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd say I really like uh, once it gets going, um, you start to see things that you, you haven't seen before. Um, Phantom Menace, I mean, yeah, it's, it's different to the, uh, to the original trilogy. And you, you've got kind of, you know, you, your lightsaber battle at the end. It's slightly different, but, you know, it's still just like, you know, one or two guys fighting and then suddenly attack of the clones comes along and it's this right. enormous bowels there's jedis everywhere there's yoda like using a saber um yeah i think mm. it's when it starts to really break some new ground um and yeah whether you like it or not or whether you love it you hate it it, it is something you haven't seen before <laughs> That's that's definitely true. And I when this came out, I think I saw it in theaters at least two or three times, which is usually the max. I mean, I, I don't tend to I'm not one of those people that's gone to see theater movies like seven times in theaters, things like that. But I did see this in IMAX back when IMAX still had the two hour cap. So they mm. actually edited out a lot of the well, a lot of the romance stuff. Uh, they it out. It's actually a leaner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually a, a leaner cut of the movie. I actually I think it. Uh, improves the film quite a bit, mm-hmm. trimming down a lot of, no, you know, Anakin and Padme rolling around in, in grass and talking about sand, as you alluded to, and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, we could have could have cut this down a little bit. Uh, but you can, even with all of that, it, this film makes completely different mistakes than The Phantom Menace, I think, in a lot of ways. And you can tell that George Lucas took a lot of the criticism of episode one to heart here. I mean, the fact that Jar Jar is in it much less, mm-hmm. the the politics are there but it's not 
quite as in your face. The first one has entire like long sequences in the Senate, and mm. here it's a, it's a much shorter. Yeah, that's a, that's like one of the ongoing criticisms of I even mean, for about they say oh, in the prequels there's far too much of the politics. You're right in this particularly, it's it's very trimmed down. Um, you know, I think uh, you know I've, I've sort of gone through and done I'm that much of a that much of a nerd about Star Wars that I've gone through and uh, done like fan edits and things of these. And there's like two scenes with um, mm-hmm. yeah, the separatists like discussing their plans, and that's it. And they're both quite short. And there's other stuff going on while that's happening. You know, it's like it's it's chopped in quickly. Like you can blink and you can kind of miss what their plans are almost. Yeah, and I think some people could see that as a criticism because you know Count Dooku is mentioned pretty much right after the opening assassination attempt on Senator Amidala. Mm. Uh, we're obviously picking up 10 years later and there's that whole scene where she she's on top of it. She's like, I think Dooku's behind it. And this is where, and I alluded to this when I discussed episode one, the the arrogance of the Jedi really comes <laughs> through where Mace Windu is so like, yeah, I don't think, yeah. I don't think Dooku could, could be capable of that. You know, he was once a Jedi. It's not in his character. Things like that. Like you really see the, the, the I guess, kind of fatal flaw of the Jedi Order right off the bat in this film. So yeah. in episode one, you know, you're introduced to uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. You're introduced to uh, Sidious right away. And then same here, you're introduced to the Jedi Council and you see uh, Chancellor Palpatine coming to puppet mastering everybody, uh, even though Yoda gives him some side eye. They don't really act on it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an ongoing thing with Yoda throughout the prequels. Eh? It's kind of like... I suspect something's happening, but I don't really know what, and I have no idea how to deal with it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Something's going on there. Our vision is clouded, but eh, it's probably fine. Yeah. Let's not worry about it too much. Yeah. I, I'm, Anakin seems really sweaty, and <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, as far as, you know, we, we catch up with uh, Anakin, and he's obviously been mm. pining for Padme since he was nine years old, I guess. Um, and it's pretty clear that Obi-Wan know, you know, knows about his feelings. And that's the thing that's also kind of strange about their dynamic, which it's, it's, uh, it's a, you know, a Jedi master and a Padawan, but it's also kind of like a father son, but it's also, so it evolves into more of a brother relationship in the, in the following film, but he clearly knows Anakin's, Anakin's feelings on things. He's very open about it. And yet, again, doesn't really, again, there's a, like red flags all over the place and yeah. nobody's really doing anything to intervene. They're just like, well, George said we should just let it be. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like, well, I don't think it's a great idea to send Anakin with Padme. So who should go with Padme? Oh, so is Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's always Palpatine's idea. Yeah. It's like, oh, how about, you know, an old face like Master Kenobi and and things like that. And, uh, you know, I guess coming into this film with now Hayden Christensen taking over for Jake Lloyd, whose performance is, was ripped to shreds mm. uh, constantly over the last 20 years to the point that it basically, like, destroyed the actor's life. Uh, how do you think Hayden Christensen picks up the... <laughs> the torch of the Anakin Skywalker role here, as far as as far as seeming like the same character, I guess at least. Yeah, I mean they they do seem very different, but you, you don't get to see the, the transition. You never see um, right. you never see his bond with Obi Wan grow. It, it's just like they're in a lift. Oh, they're friends now. You know they've been on these wacky adventures we never see. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're really into the kind of expanded universe, I mean, in between two and three, we get. The Clone Wars series, but I mean, he, he, that's like only just finished, right? So that's kind of yeah. you can discount that. Um, 
yeah, it, it was a weird decision, I think, for them to go from Anakin as a child to begin with, really. Um, I don't really know why he did that, but <laughs> George Lucas makes a lot of crazy decisions. But but on Hayden Christensen, I think, you know, for what he's given, especially with his dialogue, um, I think he does a pretty good job, um, especially when we get to the Revenge of the Sith. Um you know, I, I love his his death scene. I think that that's a pretty good scene, even though again it's quite clunky and and the scenes preceding it are over long. Um, Hayden Christensen's good, I think, um, but again he, he's give, he's not given a lot to work with. Which is also what happened to Jake Lloyd. I mean, he's a child actor; had only been in a couple of things before this, and now you're like, hey, can you play young Darth Vader and <laughs> somehow please everyone with that performance? Mm. Uh, yeah, I think he does. He does the sort of seething anger and resentment thing much much better than he does uh, i guess well the whininess that tends to be yeah. a skywalker trait and uh and obviously the the romance and all of that and uh, you know it's putting them starting anakin's journey with him as a little boy who met padme for you know 9 and 14 they were uh, it also now creates this really awkward transition where their their relationship supposed to sort of turn into a romance, mm. even though you know she obviously doesn't see it that way. She has she hasn't been thinking of him for ten years. She's like, hey, how did this happen? You look like a completely different actor now. So um, you know we'll get into the romance yeah. part of it later. But it's 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 kind of a awkward. It's an awkward reunion between Obi Wan, Anakin, Padme, and Jar Jar. Yeah, uh, the four principal heroes of the original uh, the previous film. Exactly, and it it's like thrown right at you as well. It's like yeah. landing bomb. Here's all your characters. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> give us some time here. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I always hate to go like, here's what I would have done. But yeah, maybe just sort of, you could have had the bomb and then cut to just like a really short little adventure that Obi-Wan and Anakin were having um, just to kind of see them with a bit of chemistry and show them working together. You see, you very kind of, you very rarely see them like on, yeah working together as as a unit really i mean you get it at the end of attack mm-hmm. of the clones um but yeah never again <laughs> the next time you see them together they're sort of fighting really or arguing right yeah so it's hard to buy them as friends i know i agree and then because well let's we'll, we'll get to that in a second how, how the narrative really splits off after i guess the first act of this mm. film but i even even now i mean i loved it then but i still i still really love that whole chase sequence through the skies of Coruscant yeah. and obi-wan leaping out of the window i should just say that i i really love ewan mcgregor in Absolutely. in this role yeah. uh in phantom menace uh not so much just because well, of the way obi-wan's yeah. written he doesn't and again he's given very little to do he's kind of on the ship sulking the whole time <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, another pathetic life form. This yeah. pretty much is his demeanor in mm. most of Phantom Menace. And it's not until he takes down Darth Maul where it's, okay, there you go. That's the Obi-Wan that I recognize. Yeah. Um, so having him in this mullet and all running around, uh, jumping out the window after the 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 probe droid and, uh, you know, the ensuing chase that, that takes place with Anakin. Like, I think all that stuff is, is a ton of fun. Whether yeah, the effects absolutely. hold up, eh, yeah, but, you know. I mean, come on, they were a long time ago now. And, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, watching them, and <laughs> this is always, well, these films are really for children, et cetera, et cetera. Watch it as a child, though. Watch those action scenes. They'll blow your mind. And they, they certainly blew mine when I was uh, when I was seeing them for the first time. 
Yeah, and that's and that's pretty much the only mission that we really get with Anakin and Obi Wan. Yeah. But it, it does it does feel like old school Star Wars in a way. Like it has that energy behind the sequence mm. that was lacking for almost almost all of Phantom Menace, honestly. Phantom Menace is very like kind of plodding and now Obi-Wan, now you meet Anakin. And now yeah. R2D2, that's gonna be an important character later on. Like it's, it's just table setting basically, which is why this film because it, it jumps into things after the awkward reunion, kind of jumps right into the plot. I, I appreciate that a lot, and I and I love the uh, I love the, the the little bit of work that this sequence does to establish Anakin and Obi Wan's dynamic. Yeah, because it's still very much yeah a master pupil, but you can see that he he Anakin is uh, is not happy being a pupil, and uh, he's already starting to resent Obi Wan, and he does let his emotions. Um, yeah, cloud his judgment, as Yoda would say. Yeah, um, and I like the the visual references to you know. So we get a, another visit to a bar that kind of feels reminiscent of the cantina mm-hmm. a little bit, but like a, a kind of a, I don't know a different kind of seedy than Mos Eisley. Uh, and uh, the first the first time we really see Django Fett in action. What were your thoughts, you know, going into this film and obviously knowing Boba Fett and what a fan favorite that character is, the fact that we were going to see his uh, father, another bounty hunter in very similar armor and getting to explore the Fett legacy, I guess, a little bit. Uh, did you think that this film lived up to that or what did you think about Tamora Morrison's performance? Like the performance, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to dig into because you're given so little from the original trilogy. I mean, I mean, yes. it's George Lucas's baby, so he, yeah, you know, that, that's him taking it in the direction he saw it as. Um, I would have. What I really liked about the the chase scene is that you kind of get to see Corazon. You kind of see the different levels. Um, kind of a bit like. Uh, fifth element almost you know you kind of uh yeah you see the like you know as the city goes down it gets scuzzier um and i like that element of it um maybe yeah again just a bit more development um you could have kind of seen um django sort of interacting with the kind of lower classes of the city things like that but yeah i, I really enjoy it. i i thought his character um yeah the performance uh, was fine you know <laughs> um but again, it, everything kind of feels like it's rushing towards the finish line a little bit. Um, there are things mm-hmm. that I think the film could have benefited from spending more time on, and things the film could have could have spent less time on, and had them had a much better movie as a result. That's why I think I would I would actually love to see the IMAX cut, like I mentioned, yeah. because it trims a lot of the the slower elements of the like the least successful element of this movie is the romance. I think that's pretty mm. much universal across the board. And by trimming that back, it, it gives it gives it makes the story feel more propulsive and puts the the plot focus much more on Obi-Wan, because that's really that's really the key to uh, to getting closer to the Sith, to getting closer mm. to the, the birth of the Empire and all of that. Um, so that's why I think, as I mentioned, Obi-Wan has his little detective story that he goes on, him and Anakin split, and we get basically like a space noir with him trying to to mm. uh, break down each of the clues, starting with the, the Kamino and Sabre dart and uh, and trying to locate a missing planet. Like, I loved all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And again, like, uh, you, yeah, you could have expanded on that, especially like, you, yeah, you kind of said the noir story make it a bit more noir. I mean, he's, he's 
he finds the main clue by going to this brightly lit diner and in a room full of wacky aliens and like big CG monsters. And he gets all the clues from them. Like it would have been good to see him like going to like these lower like seedy areas again, get a bit more of that sort of Mos Eisley cantina feel to it and like shaking down some witnesses, things like that acting like a, like a dirty cop. Like, <laughs> kind of see the darker yeah. side to Obi-Wan. I think that would have, would have made it better, but yeah, like, there's there's so there's a lot of lot of stuff that's good in Attack of the Clones, but that's the thing they should have developed on. And yeah, like you say, you get more of this this romance that's not definitely not George's uh, definitely not George's strong suit. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, but seeing a little bit, I mean, I like your I like your idea. If they had gone a little bit, not to have Obi Wan necessarily go rogue, but having him <laughs> having him wear some kind of detective hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like him having him walk right up to that line and, and inheriting a little bit more of uh, Yoda even mentions at the end of at the end of Phantom Menace, uh, Qui Gon's defiance and inheriting a little bit of that, mm. like bending the rules in order to to un- unravel this mystery. I think that that would have benefited the film a lot more and put you and McGregor even more front and center than yeah, he already is in this he's already top build and all of that but you must have you must have been able to see yeah the hit the spec i mean his previous work before uh these films you you can see that he's very capable of going like dark you know in train spying <laughs> you know right you've got the guy from train spying this guy's got a good range you can you can put him in all sorts of situations you're going to get a good result um yeah i mean he's underused but that this is a sort of quite broad criticism of all three, and I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that that it lacks a central character, um, even sort of a central two. Really, you've got a lot of people mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff going on. Um, kind of would have worked better as a TV series, almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's mm. true. And the the fact that Lucas stuck in there like a 1950s inspired diner, yeah. <laughs> it feels really out of out of sync with everything else. Because even when he's even like every other element of his investigation, mm. it, it's it's it, there's a sense of world building to it. You know, we see the the Jedi archives, we see Yoda teaching the younglings, um, we see the we see him travel to Kamino and and you know uh, and yet another planet that's defined by a particular type of <laughs> weather or terrain oh, <laughs> that's how geography works <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> um, but i i even that like the concept of this planet that's basically all ocean and nonstop storming yeah. and the design of those uh, the design of the Kaminoans, I think, actually holds up in large part, especially the closest up, the close-ups on them. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's animatronic or how, exactly how they did the 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 close-ups on uh, Lama Su and Tan Wei, and I can't remember. I remember. I can't believe I remembered their names. Yeah, um, I'm impressed by but, that. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I've seen this movie a lot, mm. and it was mostly the Obi Wan storyline that that kept bringing me back. Uh, so we men- we heard mention of the Clone Wars, obviously, in A New Hope. So when the title of this came out, even though Attack of the Clones is already kind of a B-movie inspired title, it at least promised that we were going to learn more about what the Clone Wars are. And uh, so Um, were you satisfied by the reveal that it was a clone army and uh, I guess the the inception point for the Empire? Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is where I think, yeah, the the whole Clone Wars thing is is why I think I love the prequels. Oh, I said it. I love them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's on record. It's the strongest element of the of the prequels is yeah the the, the politics that causes them uh, and the actual scenes of the Clone Wars themselves, especially yeah I mean 
Um, I love the battle scene at the end. I love the mass Jedi fight in the arena. I think those are the strongest parts of it, uh, of the film itself. The clone army thing, I can see why he went for that and why it fits in. Um, but then, yeah, the, if you want to be really nitpicky, there's the kind of, um, uh, you're too short to be a stormtrooper line and things like that. And the first one that kind of peel that back and then say that, oh, these clones didn't survive and etc. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, yeah, there's the line in the, in uh, a new hope where it's like you fought in the clone wars and I think that, yeah, there right. you go. Um, and the reasons for the clone wars happening. Yeah, fine. You know, <laughs> it all fits in. That's, that, that for me makes sense. If you want to really nitpick, yeah, of course you can find, uh, <laughs> you can find holes where it doesn't, but yeah, for me, it makes sense. And I really enjoy all the, all the, all the battle scenes we get in, in the next two films from it. Yeah, I like the uh, the reveal of the clone army. The fact that we get a little bit of the Imperial March in there already from John Williams. Uh, I the only thing about that that whole element that I was felt kind of left kind of cold by after this film was the convoluted explanation with oh I was recruited by a, a guy named Tyrannus <laughs> yeah. and oh this request by placed by Sifo-Dyas a Jedi that we've never heard of and it's not mm. ever really made clear in the movies if Sifo-Dyas was like an uh, you know being manipulated by Dooku if he was already dead and Dooku just stole his like you know they never yeah. really clear that up and I was it's, actually waiting for that to be addressed in Revenge of the Sith exactly. and it never came up so I was like oh okay it's none of that none of that was left on a cutting room floor either. I mean, you, the deleted scenes you get on there, on both, yes, both the DVD releases and things like that. Um, yeah, none of that's in there really. Um, and whatever, the, if they were in there, they weren't developed much further than maybe the script. You know? mm-hmm. Have you ever watched any of the, the any of the deleted scenes on uh, Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith? I, I have. It's yeah, been a while so you, since I've seen them. I, yeah. The main one that really and sticks out more from political Attack of the stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's yeah, weird. that's true. There were, well, Attack of the Clones. I remember, and I, you know, I guess in a second we'll transition to this this part of the story. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot more of Anakin and Padme, and like we yeah. her parents for some reason and things like that. Um, but the, yeah, Revenge of the Sith, they had deleted scenes. It was basically an entire deleted subplot that I think was going to be. Uh, a live action TV show at that point that never really came to pass, but it was like the birth of the rebellion yeah. and Padme being instrumental in mm. that. Yeah. I would, um, I would, I would have liked that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Especially since, I mean, pa- uh, Padme doesn't really have a whole lot to do in Revenge of the Sith, the Sith except, uh, you know, being pregnant yeah. and then dying basically, <laughs> yeah, exactly. which is a waste of Natalie Portman. Yeah. But in this film, I like the, uh, the Obi-Wan Django battle in the rain uh, that's I thought really fun because we, we you know we have never really gotten a, a blaster versus saber uh, f- duel before. Uh, some of the CG doesn't really hold up, especially with everything being wet and things like that. Yeah, you're right. Like to see um, a Jedi kind of fight, yeah, non Jedi. I mean, it does happen in in the original trilogy a bit, I suppose, in uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, but yes. he, he's quickly defeated. <laughs> you know, it's like, over very quickly when Boba tries to go for Luke. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, cool fan servicey bits in this one. And uh, episode one obviously was dripping with that, but this one it actually feels like it fits more in line with the storyline. We see the Slave One. Hmm. There's the the great little moment where uh, that that you know 
Django was walking onto the ship and bumps his head on the door, which is a <laughs> yeah. reference to the stormtrooper in A New Hope. All that stuff. I loved all those little those little Easter eggs that, that he throws in there. Um, and then this is kind of you know he uh, Obi Wan tracks him down, uh, does the, the the reference to Empire where I guess Boba Fett had seen I, you know, I think because I listened to the commentary a million years ago too, mm. so I guess Boba Fett had seen Obi Wan kind of hiding in the spare parts, and it was how he figured out that Han Solo was. Uh, drifting away with the garbage mm. uh, in Empire. So I, little things like that I really appreciate. And then that's pretty much the end of Obi-Wan's, uh, Obi-Wan's storyline. He tracks him to Geonosis mm. and witnesses, finally seeing Christopher Lee. Uh, he gets kind of captured by Christopher Lee's Dooku. What do you, uh, first of all, Christopher, like the, the older kind of, the the elder actors in these films, like Ian McDiarmid, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing in the original, like I think they, they pretty much consistently bring it. And I think they oh, yeah. understand exactly the kind of movie that they're in. I mean, I mentioned Ian McDiarmid in the Phantom Menace episode. Obviously, I'm going to get to that much more when I talk about Revenge of the Sith in that episode. Uh, but he knows exactly when to dial it down and be really understated and uh, quietly menacing. I'm thinking like the Darth Plagueis, uh, the, le- the legend of Darth Plagueis in Revenge of the Sith, but then to really ham it up yeah. when he's like going full Sidious. And I think uh, Christopher Lee similarly strikes a nice balance in this film. Well, yeah, I'm going to gonna do what we normally do on my own podcast, which is uh, compare an actor's performance to uh, Alan Rickman in um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> Because um, it's exactly like that. He knows when to just go crazy and like chew the set kind of really physical performance all over the place. Big kind of like shouting like when it, when the scene doesn't really call for it. But yeah, when he needs to be, he's this like threatening, really quite scary, sort of vile kind of uh, kind of character. Um, yeah, I always use that because that's another British actor. So I'll keep uh, keep plugging them. But yeah, Ian McDermott is, is I would say, yeah the standout kind of performance really, because yeah, like, like you say, yeah, he knows when to go once more. The surf will roll the galaxy, <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, and even before he sort of become the emperor, really, he's he's all, you can always realize what he's up to, but. The re- you can see why the rest of the characters don't you know he's being this mentor to Anakin um, but at the same time you know yeah, you know what he's up to as the viewer <laughs> of course yeah. of course and I think that's a similar type of deal with Christopher Lee like when he's captures obi-wan and he has obi-wan suspended in the like that energy field i guess uh he's trying to appeal to obi-wan and trying to do that classic sith move of join me and we together yeah. we can destroy the Sith, like that whole thing like you even see kylo ren trying to pull on ray even now mm. like several films later um and, and, it, and you almost question for like if you didn't have the toys where he's holding the red lightsaber <laughs> and the marketing really blowing it, you'd be like, well, is he like trying to yeah. defect to the other side in order to like double agent it or what's going on? I mean, Christop- uh, Christopher Lee is criminally underused. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, what? for sure. For yeah. sure. But I mean, you can't. Yeah. George Lucas isn't the only one to have done that. <laughs> he's underused, underused by Peter Jackson as well. <laughs> But it's so it's crazy that he was like what mid eighties at this point or something like that <laughs> early to mid eighties and he was in all these like huge movies in the early two thousands. Mm. But yeah, if you if you want, yeah, like he's the he's the guy you I would have cast as well. You know, I need this kind of menacing, <laughs> like definitely British, gotta be a British guy. Um, yeah, Christopher Lee's the guy you go to for that. Someone who seems wise but is definitely yeah can turn on the fret 
Absolutely. Mm. So I think we need to transition into the least and least compelling part of the song. <laughs> <laughs> so Obi-Wan has his fun little uh, detective tale going on. And Anakin and Padme, meanwhile, are, are uh, eating floating fruit and <laughs> rolling around in grass and talking yeah. about sand and uh, wishing that they could wish away their feelings and all of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think we're on the same page as saying this is probably the, the weakest subplot element sequence whatever yeah. of probably definitely this film if not the prequel trilogy as a whole i i just don't know who it's for <laughs> right yeah uh kids are bored the fans are bored i mean what was this like bring a date she'll really enjoy this bit <laughs> like, yeah i just it's there's so much of it and i don't know who it was aimed at uh, just yeah. it's just mystifying to me and also yeah it's probably a, a wide criticism of George Lucas but he doesn't know his limits maybe um and yeah romance writing is is definitely one of his limits which is why it's strange to me that this is the only film that he's directed that he didn't write by himself at least doesn't mm. have sole writing credit on it's like did, did was Jonathan Hales brought in to fix this because Ooh, if yeah. so he did he didn't do a good job like what elements did he like polish up on the on george's script yeah and i mean you know <laughs> like i said maybe george talked to a, a woman <laughs> on this one <laughs> they might have had a better angle on like a romance plot not to you know pigeonhole people but run yeah. it by a few women <laughs> at least some of the, something some of the so things like, anakin says you know <laughs> Are these right? He's like, so, so, <laughs> so, so what ladies are into is complaining about sand mm. and then like creeping up on their shoulder and yeah. starting to caress them, right? <laughs> Talking about how everything's nice and smooth, right? That's, that's, isn't that how you, you know, Lit initiate yeah. a romantic interlude? I mean, I mean my, no. most women usually start a romance with a man. They've said, please don't look at me like that. You're making me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then go on to to pretend that they're injured so that they can get close to you and yeah. talk about how dictatorship maybe yeah. not such a bad idea and I mean it's like oh some chicks must be into fascism but probably not one that's a, a democratically elected senator. <laughs> you you would think, you would think. Um and it's not and then not only that of, of course his whole uh, his other element of his story is the the dreams about his mom, which I liked all that. I mm. mean, obviously, we know he's insanely insanely uh, attuned to the Force, so him having these prophetic dreams kind of makes sense. We we know from the original trilogy that yeah, Luke, uh, has Luke is having yeah. visions of it. Yeah, exactly. So that that actually follows up on Phantom Menace really well. We get a little bit of Pernilla August there, and he gets to mm. you know. I actually think that m moment is one of the only like emotionally affecting parts of this film, and it's I don't know if it's really more because of Pernilla August or if Hayden Christensen actually sticks the landing in that scene per se. Yeah. I mean, like I've said, I think Hayden Christensen can deliver when he's, you know, right. It, I mean, uh, it's a, it's, it's a criticism. A lot of people have made But yeah, George Lucas isn't kind of an actor's director. He won't give them a lot of di direction on like, you should look like this, you know, we'll redo it and be like this. So right. yeah, I mean, he's kind of going, oh, you know, just cry. <laughs> <laughs> I think he delivers that quite well, and yeah, like the more emotional scenes he gets in the in the third film, I think he does he does well on those. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, like as you said, yeah, Prunella's great, um, and 
together, yeah, they've got a good chemistry. It's weird because she had a good chemistry with uh, with Jake Lloyd and in, in Phantom Menace too. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. so yeah, it's, it, I, yeah, I mean, that obviously, yeah, obviously shows how good she is more than how good Jake Lloyd is. <laughs> Well, yeah, of course, mm. uh, and then and this, so that transitions into the massacre on the on the Tuscan Raider camp. Good scene, uh, which which I, I yeah I mm. agree. And um, his first I think substantive step towards the dark side, mm. where he's legit tapping into his anger and letting the hate flow through him, as uh, the Emperor says yeah. at one point, and I think Return of the Jedi. Uh, so we get a little audio clip from Qui Gon, mm. Anakin, no, kind of from the beyond, hinting at that, and and Yoda obviously senses that Anakin's in pain, but you know doesn't do anything about it. I guess mm. this is to let us know the Jedi are attuned to stuff; they're just not really good at taking action. Yeah. I guess is what it is. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I think this definitely comes up in the in the Plinket reviews. Um, how he he says, uh, oh, you know, once he kills the sand. People. he's already um he's already Darth Vader at that point but then I don't I don't think that that comes across um he seems quite re- remorseful and upset by what he's done for stars but also um you know all the Jedis we've seen up until this point have, have always got angry and done stuff like even in the Phantom Menace Obi-Wan gets that's how he defeats Darth Maul is, is through anger right. you know let the hate for, that's true. flow through that's you good point yeah um which is why I've, I've enjoyed one of the things I enjoyed about the Last Jedi is when I'm saying there isn't really this, you know, this this binary force, good and evil. You have to use both sides to be truly effective at achieving what you want. It's it's what you use the force for that's important. I'm glad you brought that up because in my discussion with Phantom Menace, I, you know, they mentioned you think this boy is going to fulfill the prophecy, bringing balance mm. to the forest, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that has remained a question mark throughout the entire saga. And it felt like The Last Jedi is really keying that up to be the concluding mm. point in The Rise of Skywalker that maybe that there won't be. I mean, this is a theory that's really going around online, but that there won't be Jedi or Sith and there will be a be force users just you know that embrace a balance of both because i think and i've talked about this on this podcast before i did a whole hour-long thing of just me recording my thoughts about Mm. the trailer that came out a little while ago and um it it feels like that's you know you're not going to achieve balance first of all if there's only good force users in the world or bad i think you have to recognize the the dichotomy within yourself and find that you know like you said channel it for for the purposes of good Mm. Well, <laughs> not not to get too political about it all, but um, right. I mean, certainly where I'm from right now, we're going through this Brexit process, etc. And there's mm-hmm. our politics is completely polarized between left and right. And um, yeah, really, what's needed is a compromise between the two. And yeah, that's the kind of that's that's how I've always seen what they mean by bring balance to the force is right. bring the two users together. And yeah, you, like you can't always win a fight without getting angry <laughs> like exactly as is constantly as is constantly proved throughout all the star wars films. exactly <laughs> exactly yeah it's you, there's by pushing down any negative emotion yeah. that's not healthy either you have to <laughs> process it and work through it and channel it like you you know like we've been saying and hmm. use it towards to fuel your your objective things like that and hmm. no i mean poli- i mean you know I'm, I'm living in a country where donald trump is president so i totally yeah. understand what you're saying as far as yeah, i don't want to don't want to get too involved in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. We're not going to get deep into that. But regardless of what side people are on, 
it, you know, it's it's a kind of a crazy world out there right now politically. And and the Star Wars films, no matter how much screen time George devotes to it, are politic pol- oh, politics yeah. is at the, the forefront of everything. Of the is, is all the over the is all over the uh, right. the the, the, uh, the prequels definitely. <laughs> There's literally the uh, you're either with me or you're my enemy. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. literally yeah. basically a direct George Bush queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so uh, I liked all of that. I thought it was uh, the way that the Lars family was brought into it, I think, mm. was, was kind yeah. of interesting. And we learn about uh, the Shmi. Uh, but we, gotta, we get a revisit with Watto on Tatooine. And then we meet Owen and Baru and all of that. You know, having obviously seen the original trilogy, seeing the, the Lars moisture farm <laughs> uh, at this earlier point, did, did you, do you think that that was uh, a decent setup for what we see from the Lars family, I guess, in A New Hope? Not that they're the most interesting characters, no, but it's, um, it's yeah. table setting for where Luke ends up at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah, it makes sense. You know, if, if we're going with this, you know, they were split up at birth. But yeah, you know, Leia is Luke's sister, and we've got to get to that point. Um, exactly. Yeah, to have this, yeah, their whole farm sort of spring up from nowhere. It's to be in this um, very easy to find remote location. Um, yeah, <laughs> if they're being, well, they're, and, they're living in the middle of Moss Eisley, like quite difficult to find. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so would have been good for them to have the farm, and it, yeah, it's a bit of fan service, um, and I've always enjoyed it. I, I, that bit's never bothered me in the slightest, except that uh, you know she's probably dead. <laughs> he seems quite like uh, we had one go at getting her back. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, mm. oh, he's like, we're going to go out there. It's a little confusing. Mm. You get mixed messages from Klee Lars because he says, oh, I went out there with, you know, I forget how many he says, like eight of us went out, like two came back or whatever. He's like, oh, but we're going to go back out there once I heal from my missing leg. <laughs> and then two seconds later, he's like hey, telling Anakin, your mother is dead. Accept it. I'm like, well, wait, are you going to go back out there and try and find her? Or is that yeah. it? You're like, eh, too late. Yeah. I'll move on now. Again, yeah, not 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 a great bit of script writing, really. <laughs> and yet another scene where people just kind of sit. <laughs> yeah, 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 sit around drinking blue milk. Yeah. Again, another oh, you've got another fan milk. service thing. You got. I was yeah. I was very much on board with the blue milk. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Wouldn't have worked without it. Um, but also, it, it you know, as obnoxious as the whole his hatred of sand is mm. in this movie, especially, which they set up in Phantom Menace. Uh, I, I, it does make sense of why they would bring Luke here. He's never going to want to go back to the planet where he was a slave, mm. where his mom died in his arms. Plus he just doesn't like sand. So, yeah, so exactly. you know, why would he look for his son there? It's controlled by the huts and everything. Anyways, yeah. there's not really, you know, much of a, a, a Republic presence there to, for the empire to really worry about, at least at that early stage. I mean, my whole thing with it, yeah, his move, he's become Darth Vader. Um, he, his whole reason for turning was to save Padme. Once Padme's gone, mm-hmm. he's made that change. His interest in his children would would be zero. He's a Sith now. All he cares about is himself. That's the Sith. So this whole, oh, he'd just go and find those children and kill them. He basically wouldn't even register that they existed still you know he his main interest was padme uh, once padme's gone i don't yeah his motivations are are gone and maybe he would go try and resurrect her maybe once he realizes that wasn't going to happen 
yeah, just be this pure ball of anger, which you see, you know, like probably extended universe kind of things where he's just <laughs> being a real, real scumbag to people all over the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, even in his brief appearance in something like Rogue yeah. One, you get, you get Vader as this just ball of anger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that kind of brings to the end of the Anakin Padme thing. And mm. then really the third segment of the film is full on geonosis. And, and mm. as you alluded to earlier, I, I, this is, this is why I, I come here to this movie. Yeah, like absolutely. I love the Obi-Wan me too. detective yeah. stuff. <laughs> this is what it gets. All, all, this is for me when it, it gets like Star Wars again, almost. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cause the, the Phantom Menace, it doesn't hit any of, of the beats for me as a Star Wars movie. But once we get to, yeah, the uh, all the lightsabers lighting up in the stands of, of the Geonosis Arena, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> right, let's see some Jedi's kick some ass. And I'm really, enjoy- yeah, I am once from that point on in this film, I'm sold. <laughs> you know, this is it's when I start to really, really enjoy it. The promise of this, these prequels is the, the, you know, the potential to see the Jedi yeah. order at their full, their full extent. And yeah. even at this point, they mentioned in thinking the opening crawl and, and uh, early in, this, in the, like, the first few scenes, I think that the Jedi are being spread all over the mm. play, all, all across the galaxy. They're kind of uh, already starting to be tested. And, you know, this this gives us like our first real taste of what a Jedi army looks yeah. like. And how, um, you know, they could always say, oh, the Jedi for years, they kept peace and order in the galaxy. And you always say, well, like, how? They're always like moving around in ones and twos. <laughs> you can't see it doing anything. So you, know, you realize, yeah, that some little rebel army would get up. The Jedi would find out. They'd move there in force and just wipe them out. <laughs> that's why. You know, that's how they yeah. kept peace and order in the galaxy. And the pieces start to fall into place here. We see that the Trade Federation Viceroy is still on a revenge mission against uh, against Padme from from Episode One. Uh, we see all of the uh, the different forces, the uh, the Techno Union Army yeah. or whatever, and like all the different like political factions joining up with the Separatists, and um, the fact that the Geonosians are developing the the blueprints for the Death Star. Mm. All of that stuff, like it's like it's like I said, it actually feels like it's leading towards the original. Mm trilogy as 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 opposed to episode one where it's just like oh okay so trade blockade what, what where is this yeah going? and you don't really know why <laughs> there's a trade blockade etc you know it's kind of alluded to but it's also a part of this big plan and then yeah as you say you know you, you kind of realize what what they're trying to do and the separatists aren't just these people who are rebelling against sort of bureaucracy of uh, the, the democratic side of the republic etc it's you know, really, they, they're bad guys and they, they've got some bad plans. <laughs> they want to take over and uh, create a, a fascist state. It feels like the seeds for, for the Galactic Civil War yeah. here. And, um, you know, we get some of the sequences leading up to the, the, the Battle of Geonosis, the, the Anakin and Padme going through the, the droid factory. That's all obviously very video gamey. Yeah, and like, yeah, those you know, aren't the best. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not the greatest. Uh, but there are elements there that I do like. R two D two flying. I mm. love that. The, the some of the little the little battle moments within that sequence. Yeah. Now, even the C three PO head switch, which is obviously there for the younger viewers more than anything mm. else. That's you know I will t- I'll take that over Jar Jar Binks bumbling his way through. <laughs> through a battle if that's the yeah. case you know and um yeah I mean, um i've watched i mean rewatched these movies with my wife as well she um 
it's kind of I never really noticed it was going on. Um, but uh, there's a scene where uh, Anakin and Padme sort of come into the Geonosis um, droid factory. And yeah, they, mm-hmm. there's all these Geonosians like kind of asleep in like a little dormitory, and it's kind of, it's really kind of creepy how they like wake up and attack them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never sort of really registered that scene at all until my wife was like, "Oh, I don't like that at all." <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's actually quite a good scene. But then, yeah, it's because you like a lot of the time in the prequels, you're just not given enough time to digest a thing. A thing happens and you're immediately into something else. And um, yeah, immediately after that, you're into the droid factory and there's all kinds of wacky hijinks. <laughs> well, and then when they get caught, when Anakin and Padme get caught, even though their romance is kind of ridiculous in this movie, I still really, I, I still really like that moment the kiss where she's like, I, I truly deeply love you. And she's like, I thought we decided not to be in love because we destroy our lives. And she's like, our lives are about to be destroyed. All of that. I mean, I'm like, really? You love this guy? I mean, all right, whatever. I'll buy I'll, <laughs> Sure. Agree. Agree yeah. to disagree. Uh, but that moment that the kiss and that's a good moment. Um, and that's, that's a well-written moment and a well-shot moment. And the trouble is all leading up to that point. It isn't. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, like you say, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that she's suddenly fallen in love with him. It would have made more sense than to go through this kind of epic, kind of uh, dangerous adventure together. And that would have bonded them more than them yes. getting to know each other and romancing each other on a beautiful planet. <laughs> and, um, I mean, at that moment is also really bolstered by John Williams' score, which, again, is consistently good pretty much throughout this entire saga yeah. but in this one the major theme is that across the stars the uh, love theme that 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 happens most most uh, pronounced in that moment and at the end in the the wedding scene obviously mm. uh so I, yeah i like that that introduction into the execution the sort of snarkiness with obi-wan is like yeah. oh he's like we're coming to rescue you master like good job and all of that like all that stuff with the three of them because i do ultimately like those three characters yeah it's just i don't like the anakin and padme <laughs> coupling right. uh yeah. which which is unfortunate and then but that's the moment that that's the movie switches off out of that mode yeah i think it becomes a really awesome action movie from that point on. <laughs> you know, you've got yes, yeah. If you know, I kind of compare it to uh, like some like an, a typical eighties sort of Sylvester Stallone kind of thing. You know, he would have had this love interest, and then yeah, another action star would have come along. He'd have had this awesome action scene. The trouble is, yeah, that's just that what comes before it. I mean, you've yeah, you've got a pretty good storyline with everyone. It's just this, yeah. God, it's it's hard to be invested in the. In the Anakin and uh, Padme romance, it becomes it's so right. badly written, so badly shot. And I, again, like I just, yeah, I, I don't get who it was for. <laughs> it would have made more sense for her to just suddenly, yeah, just go. Oh, you know, we've been through a lot of battles together. I really respect you now. Let's kiss. <laughs> and right. John Williams' skull probably would have carried that through. <laughs> Or as you mentioned, if their love was really born out of just shared experiences, you know, uh, going on this dangerous mission. Like, it makes me think of something like, uh, this is a random reference, but it makes me think of something like Speed, where at the end of that movie, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock are together. And they're... (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, are they, do they have like an enduring romance? No, but they were doing this traumatic event together. And so they're like, hey, we should try and like, you know 
get together and see what happens. And so make, that would make more sense to apply the, the speed formula of romance, I guess, to Attack of the Clones. Yeah, and essentially his, his Anakin's motivation for doing what he does is born out of not wanting her to die in childbirth. Um, you mm-hmm. quite quickly have just changed the story to be, I don't want my son and daughter to die. <laughs> Rather than right. more, less of an interest in Padme, maybe, and just him like, oh, you know, my vision was you all died in childbirth, so I need to keep you safe because I want my my children. Like, it, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be like madly in love with Padme, more in the idea of mm. being a father, especially, yeah, you know, he had a pretty shitty childhood. He was a slave, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a motivation there for wanting to keep his own children safe and away from bad people. <laughs> So we have the the Jedi all swarm in, mm. and then we have a very very abbreviated battle with Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson rocking <laughs> yeah. the the purple lightsaber, which is which is really fun, exactly. uh, and Jango Fett, and that mm. does not last very long. But I think it just gives Sam Jackson the the hero moment that he really yeah. wanted, just going into this movie. Again, like Christopher Lee, he's underused. <laughs> um, yes, but again, yeah, is he the best person to play a Jedi? <laughs> I mean, he would have been great well, as like a kind of Han Solo kind of character, maybe. Yeah, no, that's a good point because he, because Sam Jackson's signature is his swagger, mm. is his attitude, and his confidence. And in here, he just stands around in robes, being like, "Oh, bring them before us." Yeah, They're like, "Oh, I don't think we could know that." <laughs> Do what you want. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so much. He's so hands off mm. instead of like instead of really channeling what makes what makes him such a compelling on screen mm. presence. So uh, you know, from from his f- career perspective, it's useful for him to be in Star Wars, but it doesn't really get a chance to do that much no. with it, which is unfortunate. Definitely, yeah. It, him and as I say, yeah, him and Christopher Lee. Like you've got two great actors there, and you, there's very little for them to be involved with. But again, yeah, this just comes down to their. The story doesn't centralize itself enough and the areas it moves into are probably not the way it should have gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, this film could have, uh, yeah, even though it's, uh, it's redeeming qualities or it's action. <laughs> could have done with some more action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the midsection, I mean, between, um, you get the the chase through Coruscant. You get the battle. Well, well between the chase through Coruscant, like at the end of let's say roughly Act One, and then the beginning of Act Three with all the Geonosis stuff. The only real bit of action you get is Obi Wan and Jango Fett fighting in the rain for I don't know two minutes. Yeah, it's, you know the the whole point of Anakin and Padme moving away together was uh, because you know she's under threat of assassination. So right. maybe she had gone somewhere else <laughs> and. People kept trying to kill her throughout the film. Anakin keeps saving her life. Again, there's another reason to to feel closer to the person that keeps saving your life. Now, if there'd been two other assassination attempts on her (laughs) and he saves her each time, maybe that deserves the kiss. Yeah, maybe they're getting chased around the galaxy. Yeah, them. they have to like keep keep moving. That would have been yeah. Mm. See, I like that we're fixing this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I've already I've, like I said, I did a fan edit. I already tried, but it's quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing is to cut all the the romance, mm. and then you know that, yeah. that gives you at least I, a leg up. I would have. Re- I wish I'd seen the uh, the IMAX uh, reduced version. You'd see. I would have. I would have loved it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I really I want to do research and see if I can find that somewhere online because yeah. I, I do feel like it would uh, 
it would have really improved because this movie is kind of long as is. I think it's like two went two hours and mm. twenty something minutes. Uh, so it doesn't with the story that's yeah, being told here, it doesn't need to be that long. No, it, it really doesn't. Yeah, because the best bits are yeah mostly at the beginning and the end. Like you say, yeah, the, the second act is is filler really. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. that's the part there. If you're watching it at home, you let it run. You're like, I'm gonna go get a snack, yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, hit the restroom, yeah. <laughs> go go make a quick beer run or something, yeah. and then come back. We're like, oh, okay, they're still yeah. talking about sand. It's all good. Yeah, but like, <laughs> so, if I'm still out when it gets to the Geonosis bit, just pause it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, see there, that's a good marking point. Um, so then Obi Wan and Anakin they chase Dooku, uh, and then Padme falls out. We get that little moment of tension where Anakin basically says, I don't care about the Jedi Order. I'm worried about Padme. Like, you can see already mm. that his fixation has, in this film, transitions fully from worrying about his mother to worrying about Padme, which leads directly into, as you were mentioning, in uh, the, the path of the dark side in Revenge of the Sith. So uh, that leads us to the lightsaber battle. And I actually really like this one. I think, you know... Absolutely, yeah. Loved it too. We don't get enough of Obi-Wan. He's kind of dispatched mm. pretty pretty quickly. But, yeah, uh, but you see the yeah. impetuousness of Anakin. Uh, yeah. you, you've got to see, yeah, because people always kind of, before he became Darth Vader, there's always this, he was a great pilot, you know, he was a great warrior. And you, you don't get long to see that, especially when uh, Revenge of the Sith mainly focuses on how he becomes Darth Vader rather than yeah developing his character. You, you don't get long to develop Anakin's character, so you've got to see him be a very competent warrior like in this film <laughs> otherwise it doesn't work <laughs> so he's straight right. in there and he's able to kind of fight Count Dooku on equal terms quite quickly even though he eventually loses but yeah so, so you get again <laughs> it would have, would have been beneficial to see him fighting more in this film <laughs> otherwise mm-hmm. it's, suddenly he's like yeah sure I can I can take your lightsaber and take on Count Dooku by myself well, and he's already picking up that Jedi arrogance at the beginning, mm. towards the beginning of the movie. He's trying to, he's trying to crack a joke, and mm. then Obi Wan says something like, "Oh, if you practice your your saber skills as much as you do your wit, you, you'd be a, you'd rival Master Yoda as a swordsman." He's like, "I thought I already did things like yeah. that." Uh, that yeah, we don't really see in action until I guess, like you said, this point, mm. uh, and he, and it doesn't, you know, he still loses his arm. Uh, which again plants the seeds for the original trilogy and and the the reveal there and uh, Return of the Jedi. I think I would have liked more maybe in this um, seeing because obviously yeah, in uh, in Empire you, you see you know Vader could kill Luke anytime he wanted. <laughs> it's just like knocking yeah. him about for fun and like yeah taunting him, trying to turn him. Especially once Obi Wan's gone, I would have liked to have seen. Um, Dooku do that to Anakin, you know, sort of like, just sort of like pick him up with a force and just like knock him off the walls. <laughs> and I go like, yeah, kill you anytime I like, boy, you know. When- After his behavior in this movie, I think we all kind of wanted to see that. <laughs> well, yeah, now, yeah, I think the really hardcore Star Wars fans would love to see a cut where he's just utterly beaten. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm not one of those people. I really, I kind of like Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so that doesn't work out for Anakin very well. And then of course the, this moment, I feel like in the years since this movie's released, I feel like has been criticized a lot mm. more by, by star Wars fans. But at the time 
this was one of those like stand up and cheer theatrical mm -hmm. moments when Yoda comes in and uh, whips out his lightsaber. Well, first he does, uh, you know, they do some uh, force lifting and energy yeah. balls back and forth. He shoots the lightning at him and he catches it. All of that stuff transitioning into the, the saber battle with Yoda and Dooku. We had to learn a little bit more about their history, that Yoda was actually one of the ones that trained Dooku and they had like a very close relationship before he left the Jedi Order. What, uh, you know, do, do you still do you think that Yoda fight holds up? What were your thoughts then compared to now? Yeah, again, uh, yeah, it was a stand up and cheer moment at the time. Um, and I, I, like a lot of yeah, so I'm not a big fan of the Phantom Menace, but yeah, you know, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, they're not perfect films, but there's a lot in there that I really, really love, and I do really enjoy the Yoda fight. I don't, <laughs> um, it it's not really in fitting with his character, and in the laws of physics, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I, I love I love more what it is, and again, <laughs> if it'd been sort of Taunting Anakin at that point, trying to get him to turn, and then Yoda turns up, and he's like, "Right, I'm going to stop you right now." <laughs> mm -hmm. That's yeah, that's even more of a of a stand up and cheer moment because yeah, yeah, Yoda's trying to draw the line in the sand. So that, you know, this kid's on our side. We're keeping Anakin, and um, and it becomes between them, between the light and the dark. Um, I would have enjoyed it more, but yeah, again, like. <laughs> It's, you've got yeah it's, it's it's who you decide these films are for um and yeah certainly i enjoyed it and as i watched it with my dad and he must have been in his late 40s at the time so yeah he loved it too <laughs> we both came out of both came out of the cinema enjoying that moment immensely between the two of us and that yeah you know for me yeah star wars has always been a family thing you know all, all of us love it even you know my mom my dad even my grandparents like star wars um and yeah we you know we all enjoyed that as a family so yeah i um you know uh, if you want to look at it from a, a cinema critic point of view maybe it's not the best thing in the world but if you see the star wars films as films for families um <laughs> then yeah it's a great scene and we all enjoyed it <laughs> that's what matters I can see the I can see the point that some of the leaping around yeah. and all that is a little a little a little much. Absolutely, he's like yeah. literally flipping back and forth in the air at one point. But as a fan of Star, as you're saying, as a fan of the Star Wars movies and Yoda being actually one of my favorite characters, yeah, I, I love the fact that we finally get to see him fight. We mm. get to see him use his small stature uh, to his advantage. The fact that he says, you know, in Empire, you know, judge me not by my size, mm. that whole thing. Or judge me by my size, do you? That <laughs> yeah. thing. And um, and then the great moment at the end where he like stops channeling the forest and picks up his cane and starts walking again, mm. reverting back to the 800 and something year old creature that he is. Uh, I, I loved all that stuff. And uh, the fact that it gives Yoda a, a more prominent role in these uh, in the prequel trilogy from this point on. I mean, he's he has a, a much bigger role here than he does in uh, Phantom Menace. And then mm. in Revenge of the Sith, he's key to the the climax is he's one yeah. of the four people in the in the two-way battle that's going on at, at the, you know concluding the whole trilogy so i i love that and i think that um you know i could i could always do with more yoda which is why i was so mm. happy in the last jedi when he showed up there yeah absolutely yeah um like you say more yoda would have been good um <laughs> it's just that yeah like we we discussed this earlier at the, at the beginning how he, he he seems quite easily um defeated by the emperor um you know yeah, palpatine's always kind of manipulating him um i would have liked to have seen 
Yoda perhaps understand what was going on more, but perhaps see that certain things had to happen for another reason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, to me, I think in the prequels, Yoda seems more like he's respected as this guy that could really easily kick your ass rather than as this very wise person. Mm-hmm. His his wisdom is doesn't really come into play very much at all in the prequels. It's more that that's a good point. Oh, I don't want Yoda yeah. to come get me because he'll kick my ass more than Yoda's going to know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I need to be right. more careful because Yoda's going to figure it out. Would be better than <laughs> oh, I don't want to mess with Yoda. He's really really handy with a lightsaber because <laughs> he's like right, yeah, exactly. he's, he's a tiny little green guy. He should be more like. Man, yeah, Yoda is completely in tune with the Force. If I try and do anything wrong, he's going to know what I'm doing. Would be a better line than, oh, yeah, I don't want to mess with him because he's he's an awesome warrior. <laughs> but, but I did also really enjoy <laughs> watching him fight. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Well, because we, he, you know, he'd been a character for twenty something years at yeah. that point, and we had never seen him fight at all. Nice. Was, you know, we saw him train Luke and lift some rocks mm. and well, the X, an X wing, things like that. But we hadn't really ever seen him actually engage in combat. Mm. Um, but you know, it's it, it's fun to to finally get that. But by the same token, he's supposed to be this intellectual threat, mm. and the fact that the film just skirts by a lot of the the limitations on the jedi by saying oh the dark side clouds everything mm. like okay well, what the hell what does that mean yeah. what is the point of the jedi yeah. if they're powerless against the sith i mean isn't that kind of their <laughs> yeah what why why are you so awesome if yeah you could be uh, once things are clouded oh, i'm pretty much useless at this point <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like oh i could take care of like basic stuff but if mm. there's a sith lord oh, no no not so much that's I, that's as far as i go yeah. i have to pay extra for that <laughs> <laughs> It makes you wonder how the Jedi defeated the Sith in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess just sheer numbers, since there's always two Sith and like an army of Jedi. Uh, Who knows how that yeah. happened? <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, Yoda, uh, you know, Dooku gets away. We see him deliver the blueprints to Sidious, which confirming that we all knew by the fact that Christopher Lee was playing this role that he was probably not a great guy uh, in this film. And uh, Anakin gets married to Padme. So uh, it's pretty much it's a quick resolution after that yeah. point. We get the little uh, begun the Clone War has uh, <laughs> scene where they acknowledge that we're in a very dark time for the Republic. And it's probably only going to get worse before it gets better. But uh, I, I like the way that this film, like Empire, like Last Jedi, leaves you uh, with much more of a, a question mark than the previous or or uh, succeeding films in mm. their respective trilogies. Yeah. Um, Phantom Menace almost sounds like um, they didn't want to make another two. <laughs> kind of like, right. Yeah, you know who this guy is. You know who he's going to become. <laughs> it's like, you could have ended it. Um, it's almost like, yeah, he, he thought maybe, I, I know that at the time he was really worried about the box office numbers for Phantom Menace. It's almost like, yeah, maybe he, he hadn't always assumed he was going to get to make the other two. Um <laughs> Um, maybe that's why it's yeah a bit like New Hope. It kind of ends, but yeah, it could end here. <laughs> but there's always a scope for a sequel. Um, of course. But yeah, like Attack of the Clones ends. You, you know, there's going to be more at this point. <laughs> you couldn't end it on that. So, is there anything about the film that we haven't talked about that you wanted to make sure we bring up before we kind of close it out? Um, I don't think there is. No. So you, yeah, you, you you've done well in in uh, taking us through the entire movie, really. 
Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Uh, is uh, uh, so yeah. I think we definitely think that this movie is uh, still holds up as a fun movie. It's obviously yeah. not you know amongst the best Star Wars films, no. but like I said with Phantom Menace, it's like I don't. It's hard for me to dismiss these films out of hand because they are. Star Wars yeah. still. There's still elements in there that, that are fun, that, that that capture the spirit of the original trilogy. Even if, yeah, the romance stuff in this one is not the not the high point. Right. Uh, a lot of the other stuff is, is still worth watching. And I don't understand yeah. these people that are like, oh, I, the prequels are terrible. I never watched them. I'm like, well, you know, they're still part of the yeah. franchise. So. I don't know how you can, yeah. Fine, you can say... I only really enjoy the original trilogy, but I, I fail to see how you can really call yourself a true Star Wars fan unless you can find some things to enjoy in these films. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's got to be something in there that you liked at one point while watching them, even if, yeah, you, you hated them to their, their very soul. And there's a very special place in my heart for Attack of the Clans, same as Re- Revenge of the Sith. Um, even Phantom Menace to a certain extent. There's a, there's bits of the Phantom Menace that I like a lot as well. Um, mainly the, mainly the ending, but, uh, Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I like the prequels. I, I love not, obviously not as much as the original trilogy. Um, but yeah, I still love them. I'm a Star Wars fan. You know, they're, they're part of Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Exactly. Yep. That's the that's a perfect perfect way to end this, the conversation. I think so. Pete, thank you so much for coming on the Crooked Table podcast. Can you tell uh, people where they can find you on social media? Absolutely, yeah. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Pete and Fran Pod. Um, I'm on Twitter at Pete Langhelt. Uh, for those of you who've never seen it written down, it's spelt L A N G H E L T. Um, if you want to find the podcast, it's the Pete and Fran podcast. It's on a, a lot of places now. Uh, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox uh, can be found on YouTube as well and on SoundCloud. Great, great. De- yeah, definitely check out Pete and Fran podcast. It's a, it's a ton of fun to listen to. So, Pete, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Um, I would definitely love to have you back if you come up with anything. Absolutely. That you like, you know, if you, if that you really want to talk about any genre, it doesn't matter. Just shoot me a message and let me know, and we'll we'll see about getting you back on the show. Yeah, likewise, man. If you ever want to come on, chat to us as well. Um, we talk about a lot of lot of weird movies too. So. <laughs> cool. There you yeah. go. That's I'd love to. That'd be great. Brilliant. Thanks for having me on. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>